Hello, everyone. This is Josh Neighbors from the Locked On Nationals podcast. Before we get started tonight on part four of our 2020 prospect preview for the Nationals, I want to say a couple things. First off, anybody who is listening to this that is out there working right now, whether it be the medical field, grocery stores, supply chains, whatever, really want to thank you guys for um, helping out and doing your part and doing and going above and beyond in a time where a lot of us are home. Um, you're out there taking the risk and um, I know, you know, not all of you want to be out there, but I do, we do thank you guys and we owe you. And we hope that these episodes can be a bit of a respite and a bit of a break from that uh, and give you some help throughout your days and kind of make you think of the brighter days ahead and also remind you of the, um, the brighter days that were behind us in some cases. Um, alongside that, the first four parts of our Nats prospect preview are now available counting this episode. Um, those obviously right now, I mean, you know, some of them are a week old, but the, really the content doesn't change. So those are good things to go back and listen to. Connor and I uh, have recorded, we've basically done prospects 30 through now 11 uh, in groups of five. So um, today is 15 through 11. We have one that's obviously 20 through 16, um, 25 through 21, and then as well uh, 30 through 26. So make sure you give those a listen. And then the first three episodes of our Nats 2019 rewatch are available. A lot of really cool games. Um, the first one we did was a recap on the game where the Nats went from that 1931 record. They got a crazy 12-10 win over the Marlins, so you can relive that one with us. Uh, the Max Scherzer 10-strikeout game I did uh, on my own, mixing in a lot of the audio. That one was a fun one. And then um, we just did Patrick Corbin's uh, seven-inning performance against um, the Phillies, excuse me, against the Marlins uh, after his friend Tyler Skaggs had passed away. So that one's available. And then our next one's coming out tomorrow where we look at some of the, uh, we look at the Nas Nationals game against the Mets that was at last August. So that is part four of our Nats 2019 rewatch that will be out. That's coming tomorrow. Also, we've uh, I did a crossover episode with Nash Walker. That one is available as well, too, in your podcast feeds. We talk about a whole host of things. Syndergaard's injury, the proposed plan for baseball to come back, uh, maybe in May, although we're skeptical of that. What the MLB could do in terms of playoff scenarios and what the playoffs could look like. And uh, what else, what to do as, as a baseball fan during these times. What can you do to kind of relax and think about the game in a positive way while we don't have baseball. So go back and listen to all of those things. All right, here's my conversation with Connor, part four of our 2020 Nats prospect preview. All right, it is time for part four of our 2020 Nationals prospect preview. Josh Neighbors here with you. Connor Jones joining me. Um, so Connor, it was funny. You and I were joking and we're, we said, finally some players that we might see soon as we get here into the top 15. Um, we've got a group of players today. None of them are older older than 22. So there's a probably a good chance that we're not going to see any of these guys uh, for a minute. Yeah, we might see one of these guys in maybe like 2026. They'd still be <laughs> young players. They'd still be under 30 years old at that point. Um, you know, we, we're doing 15 through 11, and I'd like to report for the first time we don't have any pitchers in this group. We got all position guys. Um, so I want to start off, and I believe this is how you pronounce this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's Rosmar Quintana. Yes, sounds like it to me. Read uh, like yeah, it. yep, Rosmar Quintana. I'm confident uh, in the last name. Yeah, Quintana. <laughs> I am too. 17 years old. Uh, he signed in July of 2019, 6'1", 175. Once again, take that with a great... Should I even read that off? Because I feel like I'm going to get that wrong every time. I mean, we, I, we had a guy who looked like Rowdy Reed's about two, a buck, you know, two bills uh, and some change, and they had him at 175. 
Yeah, I wouldn't read that off. <laughs> we'll keep rolling anyway. It doesn't really matter. Um, bats right, throws right. He's from Venezuela. He signed uh, for $820,000, third largest ever uh, amount of money ever given out um, as a signing bonus by the Nats. He's been brought over to the U.S. to be in the Nats Instructional League. He's going to have to gain some weight. Uh, we'll see what he does with his sp- what that does to his speed. He's going to be like a lot of outfielders, start out in center field, and then probably get moved to the corners from there. The ETA on him is 2024. So, Connor, not a whole lot known about this guy, and especially with the age, too, at 17. But, you know, at this money value, at this dollar value, and, and the Nationals do have a good um, history of scouting for the most part, you got to like um, the idea of Royce Mar Quintana. Yeah, I got to be completely honest, and I got to say that I can't really give much of an opinion on how a 17 no, year old is going to translate to the major leagues but what i can say is that if it's a player that the organization gave out a hundred eight hundred twenty thousand dollars to at that age when they signed him um to that international contract then they obviously think very highly of his potential as a player obviously is where his timeline to the major leagues is kind of a long way off but that's a guy that you definitely have to be intrigued by because if it's the third largest amount ever given out in an international signing that sounds like somebody that the Nats feel very strongly about as a player. Yeah, and, and that's one of the big notes, you know, when, when you're going through MLB.com and MLB Pipelines, you know, their thoughts. I mean, a lot of these reviews that are written are saying the Nationals do have a strong uh, pedigree when it comes to assessing these guys. So at 17, I'm not going to act like we know a whole lot about him. There's, there's barely any – I mean, I couldn't find any film at all out, out there on him. So obviously Nationals have their thoughts about him in um, 2024 – once again, you and I are in no position to say whether or not he'll make it. The next guy, this is a really interesting one, Israel Pinedas. He's a catcher, 19 years old, signed July of 2016. He's 5'11", 190. Um, I think he's actually up from that. He looks like he's a bit heavier than that now, which is what you want as a, as a catcher. Bats right, throws right. He's from Venezuela. Another guy with one of those big signing bonuses, $450,000. He was a New York Penn League All-Star in 2018, but broke his hand, missed the rest of the season. Um, and so that's pretty encouraging that he was, you know, an all-star, but then he goes to Hagerstown last year and he hits 217, 278 on base, 35 RBI, 30 walks, 102 strikeouts and 374 at bats. So you see, you know, in those last two notes, the New York Penn league all-star, the injury, and then his, you know, kind of bad numbers last season, that's everything that we need to know, right? He's got a lot of work to do. Uh, he shows some flashes and we're a bit worried about injuries at this point already with a broken hand him being a catcher as well too right yeah the the main thing I I don't really read too much into the batting average and on base percentage from last year just because he's such a young player and he's a guy that obviously has never played nearly that many games before I'm reading right now that he played 46 games obviously when he got injured in 2018 and then he comes out in 2019 and plays 101 games behind the plate so at least he was able to stay healthy it's going to be tough I think for a catcher to kind of learn to hit playing that many games every day can really kind of take a toll on you mentally and physically he's also the average age uh at that level of baseball is 21 and a half so he's a young guy even for that league but so i I, i'm very intrigued by him as a prospect uh, with his defense and i do think that his hitting can come along because we've kind of seen some flashes of it at other levels yeah i mean in in 30 walks you know you kind of like those numbers 35 runs driven in it's not horrible um, and then the strikeouts have to come down. So, that, you know, yeah, besides the batting average, the on base, that paints the picture of what he needs to do at the plate. And then you look at the defense, 43% of base dealers thrown out. I mean, obviously he's got some 
plus arm strength with that. Needs to do some work blocking behind the plate. But the Nationals catching situation, you think, I mean, you think between him, Barrera, and then also um, Reed as well. I mean, these guys are going to, they're going to pan out. They've, you know, if these guys don't, I mean, you know, you kind of just shake your shoulders because they've done a good job assessing talent. And I think you're thinking about what guys would translate well. I mean, all these guys are not complete, total, utter all-stars, um, you know, all the way around, but they've got the chops that you want from guys behind the plate and they all got deficiencies. All players do at this point in time, but I think the nationals catching situation, they've done a good job. You and I have gone over three catchers that I think we're definitely going to see at least two of them make their way to the majors and get some, some serviceable time. Yeah. These guys were, are going to get some time. I think that you really look at the time frame of the guys like Barrera and Rowdy Reed, and they're kind of on a different frame in general because if you look at how long a team can control a player it's almost like Pineda's at least three or four years behind them so Mm -hmm. Rowdy Reed's kind of a guy that's pretty much on the doorstep of of being major league ready slash getting some at bats maybe if he was in another organization he'd be getting some now but you know you look down the line when maybe those guys maybe they're free agents maybe they're in a new organization maybe they're still with Washington I don't know but down the line Pineda is kind of a, a step further back in that development. But overall, as a prospect, there may be more upside there. Yeah, I, I like him as a prospect. I, I like you know, the things about him, like the arm strength and, and, and you know, knowing that he needs to work on blocking behind the plate. Um, I, I feel good about him defensively. I feel like you know, his hitting is, is the one thing that we're going to be asking about moving forward. Do you hate stepping on the scale? Maybe it's because you haven't met the right one. A company called With Things produced the world's first smart scale. And they are still the best. Tom's Guide rated With Things Body Plus the best overall smart scale of 2020. If you are looking to lose weight, willpower is key. But so is having the right tools. With Things smart scales are known for their durability and exceptional user-friendly design. Step on and data from every weigh-in syncs automatically to the free app for iOS and Android via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Lots of smart scales don't have the Wi-Fi option. And it means you have to use your phone and have it on you at all times. But with things, Body Plus gives weight, full body composition, weight trend, and even a local weather report. The scale can support up to eight users, and it even knows who is who. So here's the deal: you can get 25% off a With Things Body Plus right now at WithThings.com for a very limited time. Go to WithThings.com, W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S.com backslash MLB to get 25% off Body Plus Body Composition Scale. That's W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com backslash MLB to get 25% off Body Plus Body Composition Scale. Uh, then we was 13 now. Jeremy De La Rosa, he's an outfielder. He's 18 years old. Signed July 2018. He's 5'11", 160. Uh, that is that is a number at 160 pounds. We're gonna need to get that one up, Connor. That's the first thing that jumps out, right? Yeah. They, well, he's also 18 years old, so that right, kind of right, right. As a as a college football fan, like looking at recruits, right, it's kind of the kind of thing when you look at a kid's body type in high school, and you're like, well, that kid is nowhere near the weight he would need to be to play at that level. But then you remember how old they are, and that they have plenty of years to go in the weight room. So I'm sure we'll see that number get up. He's obviously not a major league ready body as of yet. But when you look at that bat speed and you look at the power that he may have, it kind of, it's intriguing from the perspective of when he puts on some weight, you know, 
is that even going to take a, a jump further? Right, and that's kind of one of the things you have to look at. Like, it's, it's a number that we have to see how the weight not only you know affects him positively and, and also negatively as well, too. Um, he's from the Dominican Republic, bats left, throws left, 300K signing bonus, began in the rookie Gulf Coast League in 19, has good bat speed, and, and they like the way his power is trending once he puts on more weight. They, they think he's got some pop even in his small frame right now. Um, once again, got to go for Got to grow physically. And do, does the organization think he's going to end up being a Soto or a Robles? I mean, obviously those are two success stories, probably not, but they kind of like the track that he's on and they, and then that's what those two guys, they've got a pedigree for drafting or for, excuse me, for signing players who are international guys and are able to make their way up. And not only developing them, but developing them young. It's guys, yeah. they can, they've been able to get some guys ready pretty quickly and obviously those guys are incredible talent so i'm not sure it's fair to really compare anybody to guys that are as naturally gifted as that but it's definitely a a good it's a good sign that the organization's had success with guys coming from similar backgrounds yeah 2023 eta we got to see you know we don't have any tape on him we don't have any stats yet so um we'll get to him you know we'll be able to look at him more but once again he's a guy who you know Without being able to say anything, he's going into a good situation because we've seen what the organization can do. All right, number 12. I'm excited about this guy, Yasel Antuna. I think it's – I think believe it's how you pronounce it. You can correct – do you know, Connor, if this is uh, correct or not? I believe it's Antuna, Yasel Antuna. Yeah, I believe that's correct. Yeah. Um, shortstop, third baseman, a little bit second as well too, 20 years old, signed in the uh, 2016, I believe, six foot 170. Switch hitter. Um, and he also throws right from the Dominican Republic. Signed for a franchise record $3.9 million. He struggled and had season-ending Tommy John surgery in 2018. Might um, not have the pure athleticism and range to play shortstop, so the organization ultimately sees him at third, and um, I think it's a good place because it's a, it's a situation that is, whether you know they figure it out or not, they, they are going to need some depth at third moving forward. He struggled during his limited reps. He needs to stay healthy um, and on the field, but I'm, I'm pretty high on him. The ETA on him is 2022, but I like the idea of this player, and I, I kind of like um, you know where he's heading. Uh, had a rough season last year; he only hit 220, um, but at 293 on base, and uh, was able to drive in 27 runs and work 32 walks. So, kind of like where he's heading, and he's once again he's still young, only 20. Yeah, the big thing with him is he's got to get some reps because he's played 138 total games in the minor leagues. Um, total over the last three years. He only played right. three games last year. So the real time, the last time we really saw him on the field was 2018 in Hagerstown. So two years removed from that, 18 to 20. I mean, there's that's a that's a long time for a person that age, a player that age. So it'll be he's definitely a guy to look out for in 2020 to see if he can stay healthy and what he can do if he's healthy. Because you look at that signing bonus that you got to believe the talent's there if you trust the organization's ability to scout and scout talent which i certainly do so he he's one of the top guys in the organization overall i'd say to keep your eye out on just because we really don't know what he can do as of yet all right our final guy of the night drew mendoza first baseman 22 years old is a third round pick in 2019 6 5 230 bats left throws right 36 round pick by the tigers in 2016 decided to go to school to fsu senior year he hit 308, driven 56 runs. He was a second-team All-American last year in Hagerstown. Um, he hit 264, 377 on base, 25 RBI, 34 walks, 57 Ks. That's the real story right there. He can drive in runs. He's got to develop the power. 
And also he's not, you know, he can work some walks as well too. Got to get the strikeouts down. So another guy right there, you can look at, you know, some of his metrics and kind of project what he's got to work on, but also too, I like him as an athlete. I like him as, I like the idea of him as a first, first as a first baseman. If we play baseball this season, the ETA on him is 2022. I think because of his age, because he played the four years or the three years at FSU, I would say it's the first time I'm feeling like this guy could maybe beat that projection, Connor. Yeah, he. Some people may remember him if they watched any of the NCAA tournament college baseball. Right. He, he was a really good hitter for Florida State. He's known for his ability to get on base, which he did at a very high level. Um, for Florida State, he hit 308 and got on base. He had a 471 on base percentage, which is outstanding last year, which is kind of atypical for maybe a guy his size. He may look like more of a power hitter, but mm-hmm. he's. I mean, he, he did show some power at Florida State with 16 homers, but maybe more of an on-base guy. Defensively, he wasn't uh, was definitely not considered a strong suit of his. He played third base at college, like you mentioned. Now he's yeah. over first base, so they definitely see him there. Um, he got drafted where he did for his ability to hit and what he can do for you offensively. But a college guy playing three years in the ACC, you have to think maybe he's a lot more advanced than some other guys we see on this list. And that's why, you know, you and I have been pretty complimentary of, of the guys who have played in good programs and have had success. I mean, I believe, I forget what year it was, he, he had a home run that, that got them to Omaha. Um, walk-off that got them to Omaha. The one thing I'm curious with him is, you know, it, it appears that he is trying to generate more power. Um, and it's, it's causing him to strike out more. So with a guy who's this big, you know that the power is there. It, it's just, it's going, it, it is there, it's available to you. It's a matter of getting it out of you with mechanics and uh, reps. And so he's got to manage, you know, getting that strikeout number down and having it manifest in some more power. Because at 6'5", 230, he's a pretty good athlete, right? We know that because he played 30, you know, you got to be able to move a little bit to play at third base. But at, at that size, like, they're not, you're not going to be hitting leadoff. You're not going to be hitting second. Like you're, or you might be hitting second some, but you got to be able to move a little bit. For him, it's about generating that power. Yeah, as far as the strikeouts go, here's an interesting number that I have for you. Florida State last year, he played in 65 games, had 297 at-bats, and he struck out 72 times. And in Hagerstown last year, he played in 55 games, so only 10 less, 239 at-bats, and only 57 strikeouts. So if you look at that, um, he's really kind of cutting down on that strikeout Mm -hmm. percentage, it looks like. He's uh, 24% strikeouts in um, first plate appearances in single A. While if you look at it at Florida State, it was it was about that same number. But obviously, going from college to the pros is a is a jump overall. So I think that there may be some some signs, uh, some positive signs out of that, just from when you look at his 2019 season that was split between college and the pros. And that's why, you know, I, you know, I think now 2022 is probably the reasonable time that we would probably see him. But um, if they were able to play a full season, I mean, I, I do think there's a, there's a world in which he could beat that. Because the idea of him move, them moving him from third and saying, don't have to worry about it, like, there's no thought about him moving back to third. Because if they thought about moving him back to third, that means the offense is not coming along where it needs to be. And they got to find some other way to get some usage out of him to see if he's a worthwhile player. They're not having that conversation because of his performance. And like you said, he was trending the right direction. So that's why I'm optimistic about him, and that's why I feel the best about him out of everybody on this list. Uh, I'll ask you that question now. Who do you feel best about? 
Well, it's hard to say with some of those younger guys. Overall, I'd say that the number one guy that I'm overall potentially feel the best about would be uh, Royce Mark Quintana because of his age and what the Nats invested in him financially. I think that's that's really interesting to me, and I say that with basically zero knowledge on the player because we right. obviously haven't we haven't seen him yet at really any level. But that's really interesting to me from a short term perspective. I think Mendoza is really the only one that's going to crack the major league roster within the next two to three years. Uh, maybe Yasel Antuna can. I don't. We don't know about him as much. I'd say short term, Drew Mendoza is most likely to help the the major league franchise within the next couple years. But Quintana is a guy to keep your eye on just because of uh, we know what that organization thinks about him. Yeah, and I'm not going to ask you about a guy you released really on because there's no point. I mean, like, you know, four of these guys we've, we've barely seen anything from. Um, all right, Connor, thank you for that. And uh, you and I will be back tomorrow with an, another Nats rewatch. We've got a – do you remember the series last year where the, where the, the Nationals led for, um, what was it, I guess, 16, 17 innings in the first two games of the series and ended up losing both games to the Nets? Yeah, that, that's, those are dark times. There's we got some... the third game in that series because I believe that third game was a really pivotal point in the season where they avoided the sweep. Yeah, they so should've... the thing that I will say is that there's certain times during last year's season, especially during the first half of it, where the number of innings that the Nationals led and then would manage to lose back-to-back games or that sort of thing, it seems like it happens It happens so often. So you should, throwing that stat out there doesn't shock me at all. Yeah, and we'll talk about the third game from that series in August, uh, Nationals-Mets, in our next part of our Nats rewatch. Uh, That is coming tomorrow. All right, Connor, thank you for joining me, and we'll be back at it uh, once again tomorrow.